Well, good morning, friends. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Trevor Kane. I'm the Assistant Minister here in First Port of Down in Edenary Presbyterian Church. And it's my great joy to bring you God's Word this morning. If you have a Bible with you, if you have a Bible beside you, I encourage you to have it open at the passage that Johnny read for us earlier, this passage from Galatians, Galatians chapter 6 and verses 11 through 18. This will be our last study in the book of Galatians before we move on to our Advent series next Sunday. Galatians 6 and verses 11 through 18. The boys have recently been reading and watching the Harry Potter series of films and books. Just the first couple before it all gets a little bit too much for small children. In the second book, one of the professors is called Gilderoy Lockhart. He comes with an amazing reputation. He's done so many amazing things in the wizarding world. He sold so many books that he seems like the ideal fit to be a teacher at Hogwarts. But the problem comes when it emerges that he hasn't actually done any of the things that he claims to do. He's written all these books, he's sold countless books, but he's selling the books and the reputation of another. He boasted in his achievements, he boasted in all of the great things that he had done, but the problem was that he hadn't actually done any of them. He was living off the boasts of another. And at heart, this passage in Galatians chapter 6, these verses 11 through 18, are all about boasting. It's all about what people are boasting in. It's all about what people are putting their confidence in. Paul, as he rounds out the letter to the Galatians, writes to remind them of the truth that he's spoken to them time and time and time again. He tells them that these people, these people who are troubling the church in Galatia, want to boast in the flesh. They want to put their confidence in the flesh and in marks made by hands. Over and against that, Paul says, well, actually, no, I will boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. I won't boast in anything that I've done. I won't boast in any of my achievements, but I will boast in the cross of Christ. I want to see three things from this section, three things from this final passage in Galatians. Firstly, we want to see the boast in the flesh that these false teachers make. Secondly, we want to see the boast in the cross that Paul makes. And then thirdly and finally, we'll see how Paul reminds them that he bears on his body the marks of Christ. Boast in the flesh, Boasting the cross, bearing on the body. So firstly then, boasting in the flesh, boasting in the flesh. And we see that in verses 11 through 13. And as we come to verse 11, we notice Paul includes something that seems on the surface of it a little bit strange to us, don't we? What does he say? Verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Now what's going on here? By and large, Paul would use an amanuensis to write his letters. By and large, Paul would dictate his letters to a scribe who would copy them down very neatly onto the the, the parchment, onto the, 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 the thing that was used to write on. But generally what Paul would do is, towards the end of the letter, he would take the pen out of the hand of his amanuensis and he would write it himself. It was a way to authenticate the letter. It was a way to prevent forgery of the letter. If Paul said, well, look, this is my writing. Compare anything else that comes from me with this, then you can see what's mine and what isn't. Yet the words that Paul uses are quite telling, aren't they? Because what does he say? Look what big letters I'm using. Some people say that this is Paul simply emphasizing that it's him writing that he's taken his, the pen out of the hand of the professional scribe. He's taken the pen out of the hand of the one whose job it was to write. Their writing would have been neat and tidy. Their job would have been to uh, squeeze as much onto the parchment as possible. And Paul's saying, well, look, this is me because I'm using such big letters. It isn't the hand of a scribe. Others say, no, 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 no. What Paul means here 
is that his eyesight has failed to such an extent that he has to use big letters so that he can see what it is that he's writing, so that he can understand himself what it is that he's writing. Again, I'm not convinced by that. Rather, I think Paul's treating the Galatians like little children here. He's emphasizing to them, this is the main thrust of the letter. This has been the main theme of the letter. Therefore, I'm using such big letters. Do not miss it. He's writing in big letters to emphasize to them what's important. How they should pay attention to what's coming next. If you've ever taught a child to read, you'll be familiar with this. As they start reading, they... they, they get very short books that has very large text in it and very short words. It's really simple so that the child builds up their confidence in reading. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's using big letters. He's showing them this is important. Paul said, pay attention to this. And the reason that I would argue for that is because what comes next is really a summary of the letter. If you didn't read the first six chapters of the letter and only read this bit at the end, you'd still get the main theme of the letter to the church in Galatia. It's a restatement of the points that he's made in the previous sections. Verse 12, Paul says, It is those who want to make a good show outwardly. It's those who want to impress people by means of the flesh. It is those who want to boast in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. They're concerned with appearances. They're concerned with how things look. They're concerned with marks made on the body. They, Paul says, they want you to be circumcised. Stow the second half of verse 12 away because we'll come back to it in a few moments' time. But Paul says that they want to do this so that they might not be persecuted, so they might not suffer for the name of Christ. If you were circumcised, even if you were a circumcised gentle, Gentile, sorry, then you could pass yourself off as a Jew. And the Jews enjoyed certain religious privileges. They enjoyed certain religious liberties. They were tolerated largely in a way that Christianity was not. And so by forcing these Gentile Christians to become circumcised, by forcing them to bear the mark of Moses on their body, these people who wanted them to be circumcised were sort of protecting themselves. They were ensuring that persecution wouldn't come their way because actually they could say, well, look, simply we're, we're, we're kind of Jews, if you like. And that, says Paul, that is why they want you to be circumcised. So that suffering may not come. So that they may not be persecuted. They want to save themselves the hassle and the problems of persecution. And he points out the folly of that in verse 13. He says, this is what they want. They want you to be circumcised. They want you to bear this mark on your flesh. But notice verse 13. Not even those who want you to be circumcised, not even those who are circumcised, keep the law. That they, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. They want you to keep the law of Moses. They want you to be circumcised, but they don't even keep it themselves. They don't obey the law they want you to keep. They don't obey the law they're forcing you to keep. And also that they might boast in your flesh. I can remember way back at the start of lockdown, it, Feels like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? We were still living in Scotland, in Dumfries. uh, And all unnecessary travel was banned in Scotland. The only problem was that it emerged that the chief medical officer, a lady by the name of Dr Catherine Calderwood, had travelled to her second home in contravention of the law. She had been the one telling everyone to stay at home. She had been the one telling everyone to wash their hands. She had been front and centre of this campaign about banning all unnecessary travel. The only problem was... She didn't keep the law herself. She travelled to her second home 
breaking the law. She was not following the law that she was promoting. She was not following the law that she set out for the rest of the country. And so too these religious leaders. They're not following the law that they're demanding these Gentile believers keep. They're not keeping the law themselves whilst demanding the Gentiles do. Now how does this apply to us today? I doubt many, if any of us, are really under pressure to be circumcised. I doubt many, if any of us, are in danger of forcing people to be circumcised to keep the law of Moses. So what does it mean for us? How does this apply to us today in 21st century Northern Ireland? Well, it's all about adding extras to the gospel, isn't it? All about adding extras to faith in Jesus Christ. You see, these people who came into the church in Galatia, these people who were so troubling the church in Galatia, they would have said, yeah, faith in Jesus Christ is fine. Faith in Jesus Christ is good. We say that you need that. But actually what you need is faith in Jesus Christ plus circumcision. What you need is faith in Jesus Christ plus keeping the law of Moses. They're adding extras on to faith in Jesus Christ. And we can be as guilty as anyone of doing exactly the same thing. What might you say today? What might we say today? Well, if you want to belong to this fellowship, well, I'm afraid you can't drink alcohol. Or if we don't say it outright, it's kind of a it's kind of an unwritten code that everyone who comes here understands and everyone outside understands. We may look down on those who do enjoy the Christian liberty and take some drink. We might say that in order to belong to this fellowship, then you have to dress a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to think certain ways about things. And we can add extras onto the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can add extras onto faith in Jesus Christ in order to have membership in this church. Also that we can boast. Also that we can boast in the purity of our fellowship. Also so that we can boast in our church. Also that we can say, well, look, we're not like that church down the road. You want to hear what goes on in there? These people then, Paul's writing against, these people boast in the flesh. These people boast in their law keeping. Secondly then, we want to see how they are to boast in the cross. Boast in the cross. And we see that in verses 14 through 16. Verses 14 through 16. Boast in the cross. Paul shifts the argument. Notice verse 14. Paul shifts the argument. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus. You want to boast. You want to boast in the flesh. You want to boast in your law-keeping. You want to boast in your good deeds, he says, verse 13. Well, actually, I'm not going to boast, except in the cross of Jesus. Now, this is one of those points where I think Scripture helps us understand other bits of Scripture. Remember what Paul said in Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. If anyone thinks he has confidence in the flesh, what does Paul say then? I have more of the tribe of Benjamin, remember that, of, my, of, of zeal, no one surpassing my zeal for keeping the law. If anyone, Paul says in Philippians, could boast in the flesh, if anyone had confidence in the flesh, Paul says, it was me. Yet what does he say here? Look, I'm not going to boast. I could boast. I could boast in my law keeping. I could boast in my zeal. I could boast in my passion for the law of Moses, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. No one boasted in the cross. No one boasted 
in knowing someone who was crucified. And yet that's what Paul says. I am going to boast. I'm going to glory. I'm going to put confidence in the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross is the only thing that matters to me now. Not law keeping, not ethnic descent, not all of these other things that you're setting up. But I'm going to boast in the cross of Christ. Why? Because verse 15, look. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts now is the new creation. The things that people put their store in, the people that things put people put their boast by doesn't matter, Paul says. Circumcision doesn't matter. You want to boast in that. You want to boast in the marks made of the flesh. That doesn't matter. But notice how he, he, he brings it the whole way around. Because what does he say? Lest his Gentile readers get ahead of themselves. Lest his Gentile readers are tempted to, to boast in their uncircumcised flesh. He says, look, circumcision doesn't matter. But don't get ahead of yourself. Because uncircumcision doesn't matter either. It doesn't matter the state of your flesh, Paul says. It matters the state of your heart. It doesn't matter if you've been circumcised in the flesh or not. What matters is, have you been circumcised in the heart or not? The only thing that matters at the end of the day, the only thing that I will concern myself, the only thing that I will worry myself about, Paul says, is, is this person a new creation? Is this person in Jesus Christ? Does this person have living, active faith in Jesus Christ or not? That's all that matters. That's all that concerns Paul. There's a, a, a program on Disney Plus at the moment about training guide dogs for the blind in America. And one of the things, it's a great show. Uh, I I've a, confess I've a vested interest in, in watching the show, uh, trying to convince Suzanne to, to get a dog. But one of the great things that the show does for you is it shows you how focused a guide dog has to be. How it doesn't matter what else is going on around this guide dog. Its sole focus must be on keeping its owner safe. They have to be trained and trained and trained and trained and trained so that they will ignore all other distractions save keeping their owner safe. Doesn't matter if there's a squirrel on the other side of the road. Doesn't matter if there's a piece of rubbish blowing towards them. It doesn't matter what distractions are out there. These dogs have to be trained time and time and time again to ignore all distractions, to have a sole focus on keeping their owner safe. And so too with Paul here. He says, look, I'm not going to concern myself with circumcision. I'm not going to concern myself with uncircumcision. None of these things matter to me. The only thing that matters, Paul says, the only thing that counts, Paul says, is being a new creation in Jesus Christ. That's all that counts. That's all that matters. Friends, we live in a divided world, don't we? Lockdown, emerging from lockdown, I think has brought that home to us in a new way. Even within the church, really. You see, there are many things that can divide us as a people. There are many things that can separate us as a people. Do you favour opening up the economy and letting shops trade freely? Or do you favour keeping the economy shut and trying to suppress the virus as low as possible, that can divide us. Do you support mask wearing in public or not wearing a mask in public? Do you favour schools being open or schools being closed? Do you favour churches being open or churches being closed? 
Do you favour taking the vaccine or not taking it? You see, they're all things that can divide us, but that's just coronavirus before we've got on to anything else. What football team you support? What political party you're going to vote for at the next election? Whether you're really a Baptist, Church of Ireland, or Methodist at heart, they're all things that can divide us, all things that can separate us. But Paul reminds us here what the most important thing is for us. What the central thing is for us. Is this person a new creation in Christ? We are united this morning, friends, because we belong to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what our views on masks are. It doesn't matter what our views on the economy are. It doesn't matter what football team we support. But it matters that we're a new creation in Jesus Christ. Remember that as you talk to your Christian friends this week. Remember that as you disagree with them, even on very important issues. Remember that this person is a new creation in Jesus Christ. Paul finishes this section by saying, verse 16, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, who follow the rule of not being concerned about anything else but being a new creation in Christ. Peace and mercy be upon them and to the Israel of God. Now, what's Paul talking about here when he speaks of the Israel of God? It's a very strange phrase to use, isn't it? So who's Paul referring to here? Well, quite simply, I think he's referring to the, the, the church of Christ in its fullness as it's made up of both Jew and Gentile, both those who are circumcised and those who are uncircumcised, the Israel of God. The idea of Israel was that they were a chosen people, that they were uh, people who God had called out to be his chosen people. And as we speak here of the Israel of God, as Paul writing to this Gentile church reminds them that the peace will be upon the Israel of God, I think he's referring to the Old Testament church and New Testament church in its totality. Those who have been called by God. Those who have been chosen by God. We've seen boasting in the flesh. We've seen boasting in the cross. And then thirdly, finally, we want to see bearing on the body. Bearing on the body. And we see that in verses 17 and 18. As he rounds out the letter, verse 17, Paul writes to this Galatian church and says to them, Look, what does he say? From now on, let no one cause me trouble. Why? For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, this is why we need to distort verse 12b away. This is why we need to, to keep verse 12b in our mind. Because what does Paul say about those who desire people to be circumcised? What does he say, verse 12b? The only reason they do this, why, is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. The only reason they do this is for a quiet life. The only, way they, the only reason that they do this is to avoid suffering for the cross of Christ. And Paul says here in verse 17, look, I've already borne in my body the marks of Christ. I've already suffered for Christ. These guys are trying to get out of it, verse 12b, but I've already suffered it, verse 17. I know what it is to suffer for Christ. I have the scars to prove it. I have the scars from being stoned and left for dead. I have the scars from the shipwrecks that nearly took my life. I have the scars from being whipped by the Jewish authorities. These other guys, these guys who want to circumcise your flesh, these guys don't want anything to do with persecution, but I've been there. I've done it. What might we say in modern parlance? Well, we might say that, that Paul has walked the walk. He suffered for Christ. He's prepared to suffer for Christ in a way that those people who wanted circumcision simply were not. I've been through it, he says. And it's this apostle, this apostle who's saying, don't put any confidence in circumcision. I've been through it. 
I've done it. I haven't preached the cross of Jesus Christ for an easy life. I haven't preached the cross of Christ so that things would go well with me. But please just leave me alone. Please just let me get on with my ministry. There were some in the Galatian church who would downplay Paul, who would downplay his ministry, who would downplay his speaking ability, who were making trouble for him at every turn. And he says to them, look, please just, just leave me alone and let me get on with my ministry. Then he finishes with this, the grace, just as the letter started in a typical Pauline fashion, so it finishes. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Those of us who want to follow Jesus Christ this morning will suffer. Those of us who want to be true disciples of Jesus Christ this morning will suffer. That's the, the constant biblical refrain. We may not be called to suffer physically as Paul was. We may not be called to suffer physically as our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are. But to follow Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, means taking up your cross and following him. It means suffering in this life. We might be called to suffer loss of income. We might be called to suffer loss of job. We might be called to suffer loss of reputation, loss of friends. If we desire to maintain a biblical stand for Jesus Christ and who he is. And yet, friends, it is all worth it. Because of the grace that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the relationship that is ours through his death and resurrection. Through his ascension to God's right hand this morning as we suffer and we will know that it is not suffering in vain but suffering that brings us to glory and suffering that will not let us down Amen Let's join our hearts together in prayer Heavenly Father we thank you for the grace that is ours in your Son the Lord Jesus Christ we thank you this morning that it is through his life, death and resurrection that we have hope of right relationship with you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would indeed be people who boast in the cross of Jesus Christ, that we would not be ashamed of our Lord and Saviour. We pray that you would help us not to put any barriers, not to put any obstacles in the way of others coming to Christ. May we rejoice over those who are new creations. May we remember that in our discourse with one another this week, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.